Hello there and welcome in to the latest installment of the Career Competitor Podcast with me, Steve Meller. And we are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. I'm excited to be welcoming in Elena Agaregamova to the podcast today. Elena is going to be talking to us all about talent development, talent acquisition, the competitive world that that is. But before I give her the introduction she deserves... I want to really encourage you to do two things. First and foremost, shoot me an email, steve at careercompetitor.com. If you are someone who is considering coaching either on behalf of yourself or the organization, the team that you are responsible for, so in terms of performance or in terms of leadership, I would love to hear from you. Let's set up a time to talk. Career Competitor is a coaching service that is striving towards helping you realize your optimal self. So if I can be of any use to you, I would love to set up that call if you were to reach out to me, steve at careercompetitor.com and we can get that on the calendar immediately. But also, while I've got you here, click that fifth star if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really go a long way. But whatever platform you're listening to us on, be sure to subscribe and have every episode in future be coming directly to you and share the show as well. There's nothing wrong in letting the world know that you're enjoying this experience of listening to the show today. But let's move on to my guest in that of Elena Agaragamova. And Elena today is the head of talent acquisition and development for Horizon Industries. She's also the chief growth officer and co-founder of Besson. And she's also a fellow podcast host, Shift Podcast with Elena. So, so many things going on and all that information is certainly going to be in the show notes. But Elena's here today to talk to us a lot about talent development, talent acquisition, the competitive world that that is. Who better to talk to us about that than someone that not only recruits talent, not only develops talent, but also is responsible in her work with Besson for ensuring that people are prioritizing performing and well-being within the work that they do as well. Very much a one-stop shop in terms of how she is getting the greatest talent into the workplace and then helping them find their best and truest version of themselves as well. There's going to be tons of content here today for those of you that are maybe in some sort of transition within your work, considering how to find the right place to work, or maybe you're just someone who feels as though their energy isn't quite where it needs to be when it comes to the work that you do each and every day. There's going to be a theme, a running theme throughout this episode that is that of accountability. How willing are you to hold yourself accountable to doing the things that you need to, to living the life that you need to, to finding the right workplace, to be having that career, whatever it might be, there's accountability laced throughout this entire episode. And it's going to allow you to really see accountability in a way I believe that is relevant to the world that we live in today. So Really excited to get into this. I know there's going to be a ton of content here for just about anyone, wherever you are within your career. Even if you're crushing it and firing on all cylinders, there's going to be some good stuff here for you to be able to teach and pass on to other people that maybe aren't so much in that space around you each day. So without any further delay, let's welcome in Elena Agaragamova to the Career Competitor Podcast, and I hope you all enjoy. Okay, well, I am excited to be welcoming on uh, a guest of mine who I've gotten to know really well here over the last month or two, and that is Elena Agaragamova. Elena, we're talking on a Friday morning. I actually release my podcast normally on a Friday morning, so this works out quite nicely. First and foremost, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. It's good to be here. It's a nice way to wind down the week before the weekend comes. (laughs) 
100%. And uh, you are extremely busy. This is something that I get to uh, be someone who, who witnesses from time to time just how busy you actually are with the work that you're doing today. So why don't you fill people in to begin with just on who we're speaking with here today, what it is you do, uh, anything else you think we need to know? Sure. So um, uh, I'd like to say that my career turned into, uh, uh, sorry, my, my hobby turned into a career and then a business as well. And it started off um, very differently though. So I started my career in higher education, kind of been doing a lot of um, work with the institutions and universities in different parts of the world that did this internationally. So that was awesome. And then I kind of got bored with that because it wasn't as fast paced as I would like it to be. So then I made a shift to learning and development and corporates because that's kind of was what I see was a natural shift. Um, and, and then that I found myself in that corporate world, uh, particularly working with young talent. So still feeding that higher education, young talent kind of need that I have and passion that I have for young people and future generations and combining that with the, with the needs of the corporate world and, and kind of creating really a sweet spot and if you you know and people are like well how did you do it and and i'm like i don't really have a strategy i just did a bunch of different things and hence created um kind of the career that i have today and and what i'm doing today is working with a with a company in dc area actually where i'm i'm in charge of their um, young talent pipeline as well as upskilling of their mid-level manager and that's really my sweet spot between fresh graduates to that mid to early senior level manager and then of course i have bestern bestern is um, a startup that started with a co-founder of mine ivan palomino back in 2019 where we focus on performance and well-being and organizations and that's also very exciting to me because i very much believe that a lot of our um, performance and productivity relies on how well we take care of ourselves physically, mentally, um, and financially, if for that matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a whole piece of financial well-being, right, to that. Yeah. So, so that kind of ties in that passion for well-being for me, as well as that young talent pipeline. And um, so, and then of course I have a podcast, which you were definitely a guest on. <laughs> had a great convo on that. And and I talk about these things. I talk about talent development. I talk about young talent. I talk about performance. Uh, so I live and breathe these topics. And mm. um, yeah, it, it's it's all fun for me. Absolutely, and it's going to be a big part of what we talk about here today. It, and it is it's a very much a hot topic. You know, you talk about here you are doing something that started out as a hobby, but you couldn't have picked a better time in in, in our history, if you will, <laughs> for you to have this hobby because it's the perfect time for this hobby to be a career. The demand is so high for whatever, whatever way you want to look at this, whether it be talent acquisition, talent development, how to invest in people, even where to start. And I, I think a question like that's almost, it wouldn't be fair to, to <laughs> ask you because I think it's there's, there's so many answers to a question like right. that. But what I will ask you to begin with, because here we are, the, you know, the show's career competitor, so competitiveness is, is has a lot to do with it. When you look at the world of talent development today, could you maybe in your own words, your own experiences, if you will, start to explain why it has become so competitive the way that it is to, the, uh, to this day? Uh, well, if we look, I mean, let's, that's a big question as well, but let's look at um, kind of just the last couple of years, maybe. Um, and what has happened in the last couple of years, and well, maybe let's say two to five years, a couple of different things. So of course, the pandemic that we all know about, right? The fact that a lot of companies went remote in different parts of the world, um, which then gave a push towards um Hi, uh, hiring people not only within the physical location of the company but also different parts of whatever country and globally right mm -hmm. so that increased the competition level because obviously there's a lot of great talent everywhere and before companies didn't have necessarily did not have access to that talent now they do another shift that we've seen with corporates is that corporates are now much more opened 
to freelancer, independent workers, right? Like kind of the gig economy has definitely skyrocketed. And from any report that you kind of look at when it comes to, you know, people that talk about the future of work and these sort of things, a lot of people are pointing to the fact that this gig economy, this individual contributor is, and that independent worker is probably going to be a big part of our uh, workforce in the next five to 10 years. Of course, we've already seen the shift prior to, but I think pandemic again accelerated that. So I think that's an important factor. I think also another thing that kind of shifted in the last few years is just the new generation coming in, right? So, and that uh, new generation coming in are, you know, much more technologically advanced. So, you know, individuals that are like, you know, uh, uh, maybe now in like senior levels of their careers, you know, the previous generations, even like ours, for example, we might not be as, as up to speed with certain mm-hmm. tech as they are, totally. which makes it more competitive. And also on top of that, they're coming in with a lot of the youth is coming in with solid hard skills, such as um, like knowledge in cyber, knowledge in software development. They might not necessarily have that four-year degree, but they're taking over a lot of the uh, those technical jobs. Um, and so if you are, let's say, if you're a professional in some kind of, I don't know, in, in a company X, and you don't really have those tech skills, you, you know, you have a, a a chance of kind of competing with that person who brings the tech skills. They might not have some other skills like on the soft side, but right now companies sometimes just need people to hit the ground running and adjust to what the market needs. And a lot of it is that technologically driven kind of initiatives and and, and products and services. So I think that also has shifted. Um, uh, and again, and then we can talk about the whole upskilling of that mid-level to senior level uh, uh, group later. But so I think, I think again, the, the shift into gig economy, the shift to that independent worker is definitely something we've seen. Um, young gener- younger generations coming in, acceleration of the future of work, and, and in terms of uh, where, how people work, who works uh, from, you know, which which parts of the world. So I think all of that has played a role, and that's what ultimately just made it more competitive. Yeah, and it's what makes you a particularly interesting person to talk to about this mainly because you have this really nice complement of your your full-time work that you're doing in talent acquisition plus uh the work that you're doing with best Cern and you as you alluded to there when you introduce yourself like this notion of performance and well-being in the workplace and when we talk so much about talent acquisition and the competitiveness of it all people don't often think about well-being at the same time. You hear the word competitiveness and you think dog-eat-dog, everybody for themselves and all this kind of thing. And and suddenly you're here going, well, yes, that is the world, that is the climate, if you will. But we cannot forget the priority, which should be our personal well-being within the workplace. So sticking with that theme of competitiveness, how do you think that part of the work that you're doing is actually helping because i know it is how is it helping companies be more competitive for that part maybe be even more appealing to someone who is in the you know in 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 the mindset of hey do i make a switch do i consider this company how much do you feel as though that ability to offer services like well-being and performance advancement can help an organization be more competitive in this market Mm, that's a great question. Um, so I kind of look at two responsible parties. So we'll take a look at the individual and the company, right? So I think, uh, and, and they have to work together in order for this to be to be effective, right? So we have, um, you know, on the individual side, I think it's important for many people to realize And in my work with, you know, hundreds of individuals in terms of career development, what I often see is a lot of the blockers and obstacles is really goes down to the basics. Like, am I sleeping right? Am I able to, be, because if you're not sleeping right, if you're not eating right, if your overall just lifestyle is a hot mess, it's very 
difficult to manage your emotions at work. It's very difficult to be productive. It's very difficult to be focused. So I think, you know, and, I, and, and I'm also studying this, uh, I forgot to mention, so I'm studying this cognitive neuroscience uh, graduate program right now at a local university here. And that's what, and a lot of the research that we see in neuroscience right now goes back to that well-being piece. Like the mental, physical well-being is such an, has such an impact. And again, for people interested, just go, just look at the research that's out there that has just come out in the last decade. It's brilliant. And so there's really something to it in terms of what we eat, in terms of how we, you know, how we wake up, what do we do? How do we move our bodies throughout the day? So as an individual, I think going back to the basics is super essential because you just cannot be at your optimal performance, whether it's in sports or your career, it's the same thing. It's, you know, it's, it's that level of energy, it's that energy management, and it goes down to those basics. So I think that's important for individuals to, to understand because a company can give you all the Fitbits in the world. If you're not actually going outside and, and, and walking, you know, if we're going to give you a yoga mat and you're, you're not doing two seconds of stretch every day, it's irrelevant, right? right? right. So on the individual, I think there's a big responsibility to, to be open to that and to understand to how, how do you manage that? How do you put those boundaries, right, in terms of work? So if we look at the workspace and the company, absolutely, companies that are more that are more open to um, a flexibility, how people work, where they work, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, work setup, et cetera, is important because that's a big part of well-being, right? Like, are you requiring your people to commute two hours a day if they don't have to? Um, you know, do you have the, you know, are you providing them space at home maybe um, to be able to do this? Like, how do you, because that's that's a big pressure on, on the mental as well, right? So I think having that flexibility in terms of how people work, when they work and where they work is essential. So that's a great benefit that I see a lot of companies implementing. And a lot of young people coming in also saying, if I cannot have that flexibility, I don't want it. Um, in addition to that, I think also having a culture in the organization um, of um, just a culture from senior leadership all the way down of, you know, having regular check-ins with people and making sure kind of having a pulse on how are your people doing? Are they about to hit burnout? Because I, I work in tech. So a lot of tech people, naturally, the world of tech is very uh, prone to burnout. That's because their work is very kind of, um, uh, there's just so much always to do. It's very detail oriented. And it's just a lot of hours putting in. And they hit burnout very quickly. And a lot of people do it without realizing. So as a manager, as a senior leader of organization, how are you checking a pulse on your people? And the way you can do it is to have those regular um, conversations with them and checking in with them some around some that's not work related or recognizing if a person is not performing you know is it just because about their performance or maybe something else there's an underlying issue and in order for you to be able to get to that root cause of their lack of performance or productivity a lot of times it could be something completely different and in order for, for them to open up to you you have to have a relationship with them mm -hmm. right so so it's just you know so there's a lot of pieces to what an organization can do and needs to do in order to have that pulse on their employees and in addition to provide resources like coaches you know external speakers to come and kind of continuously right consistently offer these opportunities to learn how do you manage your energy right how do you you know how do you how do you manage your time but again you can do all those sessions all day long if the inside organization is not keeping people accountable and if managers are not making time to check in with their people nothing else you do is going to matter so so again culture leadership of the organization it has to live by these um, principles yeah and that, that word accountability is so interesting because i feel like that in itself has now been shifted and i love you know it, it's so funny having been on your podcast and it was called it's called shift and and 
when I got on there and we started talking, I was like, this is why it's called Shift. And then when I listened to so much of the, the, even just through these first 10 minutes, so much of what you're talking about, this is what the world is that you work in. It's just a constant shift. And I think what I was going there with accountability is that the lens that we see accountability through has shifted. Accountability even as recently as five years ago was like, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And that was very much it. And that was the only way you would sort of see it. And with what you're talking about here, you're framing accountability as almost like a responsibility and ownership, if you will, of saying, listen, these are principles that we believe in, in terms of first and foremost, how we take care of ourselves. If we take care of ourselves correctly, and we hold ourselves accountable to doing so, then we can start to talk about all these other areas of accountability, as you said there, through the culture, through uh, relationships within the workplace as well. All of these things, we can actually assess and have respect for the way in which we hold each other accountable in that space if it starts with us, if we are holding ourselves accountable. And it goes both ways. You want to work hard. Yes, that's great. But like you said there in the world of tech, I can imagine how easy it is for someone in front of a computer for two hours to turn into five, to turn into 10 in a matter of what probably seems like a moment to them, and they do that a number of days in a row, of course they're gonna hit some sort of burnout. So that accountability, that self-awareness, if you can teach that stuff, then suddenly now, like I said, accountability is being seen through a lens that's so different to what it used to be. And I'm mm. curious, I always like to know this, and you asked me a couple of similar questions when I joined you mm. actually, is like, what does that look like to you? How do you like to hold yourself accountable in, in your day-to-day? Sure. So um, good question. Um, now it's kind of like I've created this lifestyle. But before when I, when I, I mean, I've had burnout twice, by the way, so I'm probably not mm. the best example in terms of like preventing I think, it. I think, that I, makes you, I think that makes you a perfect <laughs> example, actually. <laughs> oh, or, well, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, I guess I've been there. So now yeah. I'm more preventive and proactive around it. Mm. Um, for me, I mean, it's it, for me, it's really the basics. Like I when I hit the burnout, I've just had to make some changes. And unfortunately, I'm stubborn. So I hit the, I had to hit that burnout. So if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, I just, you know, I'll, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's okay. You know, we're all ready to hear when we, what we want to hear when we're ready to hear those things. But um, for me, it was, I had to hit that burnout for me to make a change. So I used to work seven days a week. So I now don't do that. I now work five days a week and then I'll, I'll spend like a couple hours on a Sunday preparing for the week. So I think just that's, that's one way is just, and it was hard. The first, the first like month, the first few weekends, I had to, I had to literally stop myself from working on a Saturday because I've created a habit and a routine around waking up on a Saturday, doing a few things and then going into work mode and feeling super guilty if I'm not working. Mm-hmm. So I was working seven days a week. I cut that down. I'm actually more productive now because I'm, I have that time for joy and to spend time with, you know, in my personal life and things like that. Um, so that's one thing. Sleep is essential. So for me, I've realized that sleep is something that is super important to me. I see a big shift in, 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 my, in my mood and my productivity if I don't sleep. So I always aim for that seven hours. That's my sweet spot for different people is different things. For me, it's seven hours. Um, uh, of course, exercise, um, again, just the basics. And I know it sounds maybe like uh, kind of uh, so simple, but I think that's where the power is at. And I think that's the hardest for us to change because if you don't exercise on a regular basis, if you don't eat well and take care of your body and mind on a regular basis and you don't get that regular sleeping schedule, um, it's very difficult to change that habit. So although we all know these things, yet how many people don't actually apply it? And that's because it's so difficult. And I always say like people look for these magic formulas and I can tell you from somebody who does performance and well-being in organizations, if there was a magic formula, sleeping, taking care of your gut health and, 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 and movement, start with that. 
audit that, audit these three aspects first, and then move on to other things. So that's what works for me. You know, I don't have, um, you know, and there's days where where I, I don't follow that, but sure. um, but that that's these three is kind of like my main drivers when I when I keep myself accountable. And I have, I mean, I have a partner who also is um, keeps me accountable very much so for these things. And um, and I have my own set of coaches and stuff like that when I need yeah. that push and I need that refresher mindset. So and 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 the final point I'll mention, I guess, is something that I I preach a lot to the management that I work with is you have to lead by example and so part of me is like I almost feel guilty if I don't uh, live a certain lifestyle because I feel right. like I'm preaching this so I have to practice it I'm not perfect all the time but I aim for like 85% of I'm you know I practice what I preach yeah no it's it's so true and uh, but I, I love how you, you talk about you know always going back to basics and I think it's in this day and age where you've got you know, if, you, if you're curious about how, how can I improve my health and you go to Instagram and you see all these fitness <laughs> models and health experts and they're all telling you, here's your secret and in, in a month from now, you're going to look like a whole new improved and all this kind of thing. It's like, where's the person on Instagram or where's the person here and there on social media that's just saying, hey, you know what? Just just sleep seven hours. <laughs> just take care. Just take care yeah. of what you put into your body, et cetera. You know, yeah. if, if you can do that for a couple of months, then... Then come Let's back. talk about then, something yeah, else. Then we'll exactly. talk about something else. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. it doesn't make money. That's the problem. It doesn't make right, money. Exactly. So people are like, if you take these five steps, you're going to be productive. You're going to be successful. And I'm like, if it was that easy, like, don't, you know, it's like, why is it then obesity is still growing in the US? Oh, yeah. If you know what I mean? And, and other countries, I'm sure as well. But like, why is it that obesity is such a, such a problem? Why is it that stress, anxiety, burnout is such a problem when the, we have all these gurus coming out saying we have all these answers, yet the problem is getting bigger. So anyway, there's no magic formulas. That's what I'm trying to get at. You know, it's yeah, just but- hard work and routine. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. And again, I'm I'm with you in terms of the you know practice what I preach uh, sort of thing as well. Uh, and so for for me, that it's definitely powerful. It's certainly a, a powerful leadership technique. But so much of what you're talking about here with the back to basics, uh, it, it speaks to me as well in terms of what you do on a day to day basis with just working within organ within an organization and then on behalf of other organizations and some of your other work as well. Is because there's so many basics within the workplace that if if organizations could just take them seriously and respect them and not try to keep reinventing the wheel in terms of how they improve their culture and all these sort of things, if they could just check those initial boxes, if you will, of like, what does it mean to do the basic things? Then they could start to become an appealing place for people to work and they could start to get ahead of this curve that is, you know, the competitiveness of the of talent acquisition. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious, when, when you do the work that you do, where does the competitor that is you, the individual, that is Elena, where does that start to come in in terms of what, what do you consider to be wins on a day-to-day basis? What do you consider to be like, you know, when your head hits the pillow and you get that great seven hours of sleep at night, what what, what sort of hits your mind and you go, oh man, I'm, 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 so, I'm so pleased I was able to accomplish this today or this was a big victory for me today? Mm, that that's a that's a tough one. I'm my own worst critic. So let me think. Um, <laughs> give me a moment on that one. Um, but that's how I motivate myself. So some people are like, oh, you should, you should, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, um, uh, weird in this way. So like I motivate myself by criticizing my own self. 
Um, but that's how I push myself. It's a weird, it's a weird relationship I have with me. But um, uh, it's it's not. It's actually more more positive for me than negative. Some people say like, oh, etc. Yeah. But I, I mean, um, I relate to that. I, I relate to that. Yeah. I think it's really important. Um, and I think we're all different in terms of how we go about attaining goals and things like that. And I, I'm just curious what that standard mm -hmm. may be. If you are holding yourself to that standard and you are critical of yourself, I'm curious what that standard might be that you're holding yourself to. Sure. So for me, um, I guess, I mean, I, I feel like it's a generic answer, but that's what comes to mind. It's like delivering value. Like, did I say, did I do what I said I was going to do? That's my thing. Like, if I promise an organization that I'm going to, I don't know, um, increase productivity of their manager or increase the, the increase the, um, let's say, uh, I don't know, uh, capability of managers to do, capability of managers to do performance evaluations that are actually effective for their team or to make their managers better people managers, right? Have I done that? So that's, the, the, you know, so th that's kind of what I, what I try to focus on is that did I, did I meet that KPI that is expected of me, right? Whatever I'm selling, did I actually achieve it? Um, I think that's part of it. I think also, so that's more in like tangible things like the KPIs and I have those and every organization I, I, I work with. But um, another thing is also, you know, have I made an impact on somebody today? And and that's the thing in learning and development world and, and world of professional development, as you very much know, is, you know, am I making did I, did I host a session today or did I create an opportunity for, for people to learn something where they walked away from it and they said that was really useful and the way that satisfies so for example I'll, I'll host a session or I'll bring a speaker to host a session I'll get a message from one of the team members and say you know I really needed this today um, you know so just getting those kind of feedback from from the teams that I'm working with is 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 something that I go to sleep feeling good because it's like even if it's just one person who maybe was stressed out that day and this is a real story right like we I, I host a session on energy management and i had two people that normally don't really speak to me that much you know just generally just very quiet in a company message me and, and like i really needed this today i felt really you know i'm really stressed out i feel like i'm gonna have burnout and i'm like that's great so initiatives that i'm putting into place do have an impact because you know and uh, you know i doubt myself on, on all the time right i'm like is this is this good enough is this am i doing a good job etc right um you know and it's um and, and for, for strangely enough, you don't always get feedback. So you always kind of try to, you know, kind of source that feedback from different, different places. So when somebody just randomly lets you know, like, listen, I really needed this. And that's not a person that usually talks to you. You know, that, that to me is, um, is something that I, 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 I kind of, um, that keeps me, that keeps me, that keeps me like motivated, like, okay, so it does have an impact, you know, and if it's just that one person or those two people, um, so I think those so solid KPIs and also those soft, hard to measure uh, impacts. I think that's what kind of um, drives me. Yeah, and it's funny coming from the world of sport as I do. The world of coaching, specifically in sport, is it's not very often that you actually get much of a thank you. Let's say, and and for me, I've always encouraged other coaches to say look for look for other ways that the thank you is presented because sometimes the word thank you doesn't come but someone's actions show and represent that they are thankful for what it is you're doing and something as simple as someone coming back each and every day to work with you excited to work with you is is in many ways a way of saying thank you and yes. you know, i think with what you're talking about here all these projects and, and and opportunities that you have to influence others that the fact that every time you you set them up people continue to come back and then you get some insight from time to time in, in so many ways that is their way of saying hey please keep doing this you know i'm, I'm thankful i'm appreciative for something like this 
But something you said there at the at the beginning of that answer, in terms of delivering value, you know, do what I said I was going to do. And it's another one of these examples of the basics. And I don't think it, it, as much as it may sound like a sort of very standard answer, I think it's one of those things it's easy to say difficult to do. I, I really do. I, I think there's yeah. a lot to be said about having that ambition to be able to turn turn or you know turn in for the night at the end of every single day and say looking back did i do what i said i was going to do today specifically not just to myself but more importantly to the people that i was telling that i was going to get some stuff done and it yeah. sounds as though that account that is your accountability system your accountability system is like hey listen if i if i can't answer that question with a definitive yes at the end of the day then that isn't necessarily a a win if you if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely and i, I don't always have those wins but I, again i aim for that 85 percent. i don't believe in yeah. perfection <laughs> i'm sure. not that person but i think that's why i'm at like 85 percent. you know and then and then you adjust you know you're like okay i didn't get this win how can i prevent that from happening next time right how can i increase the chances of that win how can i what obstacle came in my way so i do a reflection as well as like okay maybe i shouldn't have maybe i overpromised. maybe i need to change the way i do things maybe you know so and it's a continuous learning i mean it's like mm -hmm. i feel like we're just and i think that's the thing it's uh, well you know we don't have to have all the answers and um and i think being honest with yourself and to say i don't sometimes i just don't have an answer or it's, it didn't work the way i expected it to but that's how you learn and that's how you grow and you get better you just experiment and in order to grow you have to make mistakes and fail and you know again those basics right that it's like that's that's how you that's how you get better so 85 percent is where i kind of aim for in most of what i do <laughs> yeah i like it it's a solid b it's a solid b, <laughs> it's a solid b. <laughs> Uh, but th 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 there's something there, though, for and, and what I've loved about this conversation, Elena, is like there's, you know, here you are working with a lot of these sort of young talent, entry level, mid level managers. And at the same time, even something as, uh, as, as simple as saying, hey, I'm going to be a continuous learner. And I don't and I admit that I don't have all the answers. I mean, that is that applicable to, to young talent and mid level managers? Absolutely. But that is so applicable to leaders and and it's it's understandable it's understandable for them to think that they should have all the answers and to present themselves as sort of iron man iron woman i can't be touched you know i, I am perfection and and i am that standard but in this day and age again you talk you talk about the evolution of the workplace Le people want leaders that are willing to stand in front of them and say hey my bad. I got it wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I I didn't do that the way I was hoping I was going to do it. And I would maybe even love some insight into why it was that I didn't necessarily hit this target or achieve this goal or set out and do what it was I said I would do. That there's something about what you're presenting here in terms of just how you carry yourself, which I think is so powerful in leadership. And do you find yourself having those types of conversations with leaders today? I, I do. Um, uh, I, I do. But again, I think it just goes down. I, I, so I look at leadership. Um, somebody told me this actually before. Um, I don't remember how it was one of the many conversations I had. And they had a good point. They said leadership really works by the way you influence people is by leading by example. You can tell people all day long, you know, be vulnerable, uh, admit to having mistakes, but until they actually see it in action. And that's the best way is if you can go up to even a junior or a mid and say, hey, like, guys, I messed up. I made a mistake. What, what's happening is you're already kind of grooming them. So when they're future leaders, it's, it's okay. They are growing up in their career with understanding it's okay to make mistakes. And when I go 
go to senior leadership and I have conversations with them, I think me owning up to it and then maybe reflect, um, my hope is that maybe just through that, reflecting that, hey, like maybe it's okay to make mistakes, um, right? So I think, I think also a lot of times in organizations, we're almost afraid to, to, to admit to leadership that we made a mistake and we try to make up excuses, but it's like, listen, I messed up. That was a mistake. I, I tried it. Thanks for letting me experiment. That was a mistake. I'm going to do better next time. And here's what's going to happen next time. So I think just, again, um, leadership does have that, that challenge, but what I see impacting is um, just other people creating a space where they feel comfortable to say, you know what, I, I also make mistakes. And I think that happens by you being vulnerable first and then cre- opening up that opportunity and the safe space for them to kind of um, share their, their, their um, um, perhaps setbacks as well. So I love it. I love it. It's, it's some really good stuff. And I, I think first and foremost, this is one of those episodes where my pen has been very busy the whole time, just, just making lots of notes. And I really encourage anybody um, who who's on LinkedIn listening to this to to certainly give you a follow because it's so, so much of the content that you put up on there in relation to talent development, talent acquisition, the workplace, uh, you know, just I think it's it's important reading material for people to, to access and look at. But with that being said, I, I do want to give you the opportunity to tell us just about anything you think people need to know in terms of where to find you. But I would love for you also maybe to start out, just tell us a bit more about the podcast because it is a great podcast. I, you know, I was very humbled to have the opportunity to be on it. Uh, but at the same time, please tell them about the podcast and also how they can uh, get a hold of you too. Sure. So the podcast called The Shift with Elena Agar. And um, basically, I, I started as, as because I used to have a lot of conversations about different changes that people are going through. And then I said, well, why not, why not just start recording it, basically? And so since then, I've been bringing people on board really within that talent development, talent acquisition space. A lot of it is career development related, but also have this kind of side of entrepreneurship. So the entrepreneur me loves to talk to other entrepreneurs. And so the conversations are very kind of informal and easygoing. So anybody who's interested in that talent development space or how to make a career change or change into uh, becoming an entrepreneur um, would probably benefit from it. You can find it on YouTube, Spotify. Uh, the best way to find me is LinkedIn. So that's where I hang out at the most. I'm not huge um, on other social me- media channels. Um, LinkedIn is where it's at for me. So just connect on LinkedIn. I'm the only Elena Agaragimova on LinkedIn, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so um, I think I'm, I'm, so I'm pretty easy to find in general. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Elena, this has been great. I, I knew it would be and I'm glad I was able to return the favor and, ha- and have you come on and, and, and join the show. And uh, I think we've managed to put together two contrasting conversations. You know, I think that was my, my only concern was like, are we going to have the exact conversation all over again? But I asked the questions and you answer them. But no, I think there's some really great material, very much unique to this conversation. And uh, most importantly, thanks so much for the time and the insight. Thank you. Thanks for being, having me on the show. And my thanks again to Elena for joining us on the show. As I said at the outset, tons of content. And I even joked about it there towards the end. My my notepad was full by the time we were done. Tons of little one and two word comments that I was making on my on my notepad throughout. And the reason I was doing that is it's just so many short and sweet statements that Elena was making that are so impactful that if we can just retain some of this insight, then we can immediately start to lay this foundation that we talk we talked about there numerous different times of what it means to just simply do the basics. And it is a foundation. That's, that, that is the part of this entire experience that we maybe even call life for that matter, that we just need to acknowledge. 
that until we get the basics down right, the foundation will never be strong enough to support some of these more advanced ideas, these advanced philosophies, if you will, of what we can be doing in all these particular different areas that we maybe feel as though we want to be doing greater things within. Let's use one of those examples that Elena gave in sleep. How easy should it be, should it be, is the key word there, to get seven hours sleep a night? I myself am guilty of this from time to time where something will just get me fired up within my day and my my day that typically will end at a pretty reasonable time, I'll suddenly continue it after I put the kids to bed and before I know it, it's way past the time I normally go to sleep. I am pretty stubborn about waking up at the same time every day. So if I don't get to bed early enough, it means I'm going to be getting less sleep, etc. So that happens to me on occasion. But the fact of the matter is that's on occasion for me and I, I'm aware of that and I'm accountable to that. But my question to you is, is something like sleep a foundation in your life or is it a problem? Because if something like sleep is not a foundation, if it is not a strong fabric of your core being, then your foundation will be vulnerable. And all these other things that you maybe want to do within your day are going to be that little bit more vulnerable as well. So whether it be sleep, nutrition, exercise, relationships, just how you generally treat yourself, whatever it may be, if we cannot get these foundational qualities down, consistent, and you can even use Elena's percentage of 85%. If you can do these things right 85% of the time, you're already way ahead of the curve, way ahead of the curve. So many of us would kill to have 85% of foundational qualities. So if we're not necessarily crushing it when it comes to the foundation of what we are and who we are and what we do each and every day, then we're always going to be fighting an uphill battle. So these basics that Elena referenced throughout our discussion, take some of them on. Be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror. Ask, are you doing well? Are you respecting these foundational requirements each and every day enough? And if there's one or two that keep slipping by, what are you going to be accountable in doing to make sure that's no longer the case? Take that accountability. Take that responsibility. Take that ownership and see if you can make that shift that word that Elena obviously uses a lot. See if you can make that shift and start to create that foundation that can lead you to greater, more consistent performance each and every day. I'm going to leave it there. That's a topic that I could probably talk to you about for an entire podcast episode in itself. And that's why it was so easy to talk with Elena today is so much of what she's talking about very much resonates with me. And I thank her again for her time. But listen, there's so many great reasons for you to be continuing to tune in to the Career Competitor Podcast. So I encourage you to subscribe if you've yet to do that. I encourage you to share this with your friends because I have a hard time believing that there aren't people within your network that wouldn't appreciate this content. And in the meantime, best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on within your world. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon 